You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. We are in week number six of a seven-week series that will end actually next week on Easter Sunday called The Greatest Sermon of All Time, where we are taking a look at the Sermon on the Mount, which is the largest and most famous recorded teaching of Jesus in the entire Bible. It covers three whole chapters in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, and this is at the very start of Jesus's earthly ministry. And at the very start, he gives this sermon. And in this sermon, Jesus is establishing himself, not just as the son of God, not just as a savior, not just as Lord, but he is establishing himself as a king. And he is bringing in and rolling out his kingdom. Now, his kingdom is very different than the kingdom that existed at that day. In fact, in John chapter 18, verse 36, Jesus says that my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom, but my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, King Jesus is coming and he's saying, I'm rolling out a brand new kingdom. I'm literally changing life as you know it. I am turning things upside down. I am remixing all these different areas of life. And then he gives us the key to actually accessing this kingdom. And that key is this word called repentance. And repentance, it really is a good word. It's an amazing word once you fully understand what it means because it simply means to change your mind. Let me say it another way, that repentance is getting God's view on a subject. So in the Sermon on the Mount, here's what he's doing. He's bringing up all these different subjects and he's saying, I want you to get God's view on this subject. I want you to change your mind. And then that change of mind is this inside out change that leads to a change in your life and a change in your behavior. And today, we're gonna be looking at some verses in Matthew chapter seven, where Jesus brings up this subject of prayer. Now, this is actually the second time in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about prayer. The first time was in Matthew chapter six, when he gives us the Lord's Prayer. Just by show of hands, how many of you have ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? I know, it, like, I, I played basketball, and so we always, before every single high school basketball game, we would pray the Lord's Prayer. That's from the Sermon on the Mount. That's the first time he brings up prayer, and in those verses, Jesus actually gives us a pattern for how we can pray. Now, you can pray that prayer as like a prayer, but that really wasn't what Jesus intended. He really intended that to be like an outline for how you can actually pray and talk to God. In Matthew chapter seven, he brings up prayer again. Specifically, he talks about what to do when you pray about something and it doesn't happen. Have you ever been there? Just show of hands. Have you ever prayed about something and it didn't happen? Have you ever prayed and God answered with No. Have you ever prayed and God said, not yet? Well, that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter seven. Let's read this together, starting in verse seven. Here's what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking 
and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. By the way, if you are taking notes today, which I hope you are, uh, I've entitled this message straight from the text, Keep On. Just keep on. So um, now if you take these two verses it's, and, and you read these, it's so easy to believe that prayer is like a formula. That prayer is like somehow this like math equation that if I just ask God enough, if I seek God enough, if I knock on heaven's door enough, then God will eventually cave in and he'll just give me whatever I want. And if that is your takeaway today, I love you enough to always tell you the truth. If that is your takeaway, that prayer is just this equation, that it's this formula to get whatever you want from God, then you will eventually be extremely disappointed with the results of your prayer life. I'm telling you, if that's what your takeaway is, you will eventually be extremely frustrated angry, and probably even bitter with God. But that's why it's so important that we just don't take those two verses and we take them out of the Bible and that's all we look at because that's not where Jesus ends the conversation. He continues the conversation about prayer in the next three verses and it changes everything. Listen to what he says, starting in verse nine. He says, you parents, do we have any parents in the house? Any parents, any parents? Okay, do you have any parents of fur babies? We got any? Okay, I got a dog. Okay, yeah. I love my dog. Look at my Instagram feed. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, here's what it says. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So, that's an exclamation. Um, it says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask them? Now, here's why these three verses are so important. Because Jesus, in these three verses, explains how you and I should actually view God. And let me just tell you, as your pastor, I think one of the most important principles that I can ever teach you is to have an accurate view of God. Because here's why. Here's this principle, that your view of God will determine your relationship with God. That is a truth, that how you view God, it will determine the relationship that you have with God. So if you take those first two verses that we read from Matthew chapter 7, It's so easy to just take those two verses without the context and view God as a cosmic vending machine where you just put in your coins, you pray your prayers, come on, you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking, you push B3, and then eventually you get whatever you want. But when you continue to read, we see that that's, not how Jesus says that you should view God. And like I said before, don't miss this. This is so important. This is the second time where 
Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about prayer, and get this, both times, he says that you and I, that we should actually view God a very specific way as a father. Let me show you, Matthew chapter six. This is how the Lord's prayer starts in verse nine. It says, pray like this. Our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And then we read it in verse 11 in Matthew chapter seven. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? He said, this is how you should view God. Will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask them? Jesus is saying here in these five verses, don't view God as a cosmic vending machine where you just get whatever you want. Instead, view God as a loving father who knows what's best for you. Now, most scholars believe that when Jesus was sharing this sermon, that when he said that word, heavenly father, he used this word, Abba, from the original Hebrew. Now, on the count of three, just because you wanna say some Hebrew today in church, I can feel it. Just count of three, just say the word Abba. One, two, three. Come on, like you love the 70s band. One, two, three. Okay, Abba. Now, this word Abba was this close, intimate, informal, relational word that kids would actually use to describe their father. Now, the best translation in 2023 is not necessarily father, but get this, dad. And it's a way to say dad. Now, this would have been shocking to every single Jewish person that was listening to this sermon, including the religious leaders, they would have probably accused Jesus of blasphemy here because at that time, the most common word that was used to describe God was this word Yahweh. And it's this word that, that really was set apart, that it was so holy and so reverent that people, when they would even begin, they wouldn't even say this word out loud because they were so unworthy to even say the name of God. By the way, when you read your Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, every time you see the word Lord and it's all capital letters, it is that word Yahweh. And every time that that word Yahweh is there, the original Jewish people, that they would not even say that word. And it's this, I'm not worthy to say this. And here's what Jesus says. He says, in my brand new kingdom, I want you to get my view of who God is. Because I want you to view God as your father, as your Abba, as your dad, who loves you and is close to you. Now, let me just acknowledge this, because I know that anytime something like this is brought up, that this word father is a very loaded word. In fact, I think for many of you, that could even be a bad word because you had a bad dad. Maybe you have a distant dad or a harsh dad or an absent dad or or even an abusive dad. But let me tell you, before I go on with one more sentence, that in all the ways that your earthly father was not, I promise you that your heavenly father is, that he is a good dad, even if you don't have a box for what that looks like. And when Jesus says, hey, I want you to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking on the door of your dad, 
of your father. Listen, he's not only teaching us about prayer. He is teaching us about the very character and the nature of who God is. In fact, this week when I was asking and studying and preparing, I asked God, I said, God, what can we learn about your character and your nature from these verses that Jesus shared in the Sermon on the Mount. And I felt like he gave me two things that we gotta walk away with today. And here's the first one, is that our heavenly Father wants us to consistently communicate with him. That our heavenly Father, that God, he wants us to consistently communicate with him. That's why he says in verse seven, keep on asking and keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. In other words, he's saying, like, keep on communicating with God. Don't ever stop. He loves the sound of your voice. Keep talking. Keep communicating with God. And by the way, prayer at its simplest form, if you want to break it down to its simplest form, it is communicating with God. That's what it is. And I don't know if you know this. Think about this. But communication is so important because communication is necessary for any close relationship. It's just true. Bottom line, you are not close with people you don't talk to, ever. Nobody says, you know who I'm close with? That person I have not said a word to in 17 years. We're just, I just feel so connected to them right now. I just feel just close. I just feel so close to that person that I've never, ever, ever, ever talked to. Nobody says that. And that's because that you will never be close to somebody that we never talk to. And it's the same with God. Listen, church, if you never talk with God, you'll never be close to God. And so God wants you to pray. He's given us this gift called prayer, where God consistently wants you to talk to him. That's why in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, it says to never stop praying. Now, when you study the original language, you'll see that this, because this, I'm a very literal person, and I read that, and I'm like, what? Does that mean I can't do anything else? But in the original language, here's what that means. It means that the lines of communication between you and God are always open. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That there's this constant line of communication between me and God. And that's what God wants. He wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear your desires. He wants to hear every single time that you're thankful. He wants to hear when you're impressed with him and you're worshiping him. He wants to hear your request and the desires of your heart. He wants to hear your frustrations and your complaints and all the ways that you're hurt or you're disappointed. He can handle all of it. He just wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk, but here's why he wants to hear you talk. Here's why he wants you to communicate with him, because more than anything, God wants a close, intimate, real, daily relationship with you. That's why he wants it. And here's how I know. I know because he paid the highest price of his one and only son just for the chance to have that type of relationship with you. He wasn't even guaranteed to have that type of close, consistent, communi communicative relationship with you. But he thought that you were enough to even pay that price just for the chance to be able to have that with you. Why? 
because he wants to talk to you. Now, Heather and I, my wife, who's sitting on the front row, uh, we got married on May 22nd. 2004. Uh, in less than two months, we will be celebrating our 19-year anniversary. That's awesome. Come on, baby. Yeah. There's some work that went into that. Um, and here's a picture from that day. I haven't shared, shared this in a while, and uh, this is young and in love, okay? Just the two, two people that uh, just saw it as our wedding day. And I want you to imagine with me that on this day, that I looked my best friend in the eyes with that killer pinky ring on. I don't know if you see that. (laughs) That when I looked her in the eyes and I said, I do, on that day, now here's what I want you to imagine. Think about if I made that intimate, once in a lifetime, lifelong commitment and then never talked to her. No face-to-face conversations, no phone calls, no texts, no voice memos, no FaceTimes, never slid into her DMs, no emails, no letters, nothing. Imagine if I never communicated with her. Or what if I only talked to her when I wanted something from her? Now, let me just ask you a simple yes or no question that I would love some verbal participation in. If that was the extent of our relationship, do you think that we would be close? And the truth is, guys, the truth is, is that so many times we do the same exact thing with God. We make an intimate Lifelong commitment. Maybe we pray a prayer at a church service or we raise our hand or walk an aisle or we get dunked in some water and then we never talk to God. Or we only talk to God when we need something from Him and then we wonder why do we not feel close to God? But the truth is that's not how any of our relationships work, right? Our friendships don't work that way. Our relationship with our family doesn't work that way. Our relationship with our coworkers doesn't work that way. None of those. But God, listen, this is a good news. God has given us all a gift where we can consistently communicate with him and be close with him called prayer. I'm telling you, we can learn from these verses that our heavenly father wants us to consistently communicate with him. And then here's the second thing that we can learn from these verses, that our heavenly father wants us to consistently not only communicate, but trust him. See, these verses, this is harder, by the way. This one is not as fun as point one. But we can learn that our heavenly father wants us to consistently trust him. Because when Jesus says in verse seven, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, that alone implies that there's going to be some things in life that you ask for that you won't get right away. That there's going to be some things that you seek that you won't find right away. And there's going to be some doors that you knock on that will not open right away. There may be some things that take days, months, years, decades. Decades. 
there may even be some things in life that you won't see happen on this side of heaven. And maybe you've experienced moments like this. The truth is, I think we all do. I think we all face moments, if we've walked with Jesus for any amount of time, where we come face to face with this reality, where I'm, I'm asking God and it's not happening. I'm seeking and I'm not finding. I'm knocking and that door is staying shut. And maybe for you, that you felt stagnant in your career, in your job, and you've been praying and asking God to open up doors for promotion or for a new job, but nothing is happening. Maybe for you, you've been praying and begging God for healing in your physical body, but you're still sick or you're still in pain. Maybe you've been praying for a dark cloud of depression to lift off of your life, but you still feel like it's there every single day. Maybe you and your spouse have been asking God for a baby, but you're still experiencing infertility. Maybe you have this desperate desire to be married and to start a family. And you've been asking God for a spouse, but you're still single. Maybe you've been begging God to take away a specific sin, temptation, or addiction that you've been struggling with for as long as you can remember, but no matter how much you pray, you can't seem to shake it. Maybe you have a loved one, a friend, or a family who is lost and far from God, and you've been praying for them to know God. You've been begging God that the truth of the gospel would hit their hearts, but it hasn't happened yet. Maybe you have, a, you have an adult child, and maybe they're running from God, and you've been begging God for them to come back like the prodigal son that we read about in the Bible, but nothing seems to be changing. Church, those are the real, tough, faith-defining moments in our life. Those are the moments that I'm telling you, if you are following Jesus, you will come face to face with moments like this. You're gonna experience those where you have to look yourself in the spiritual mirror and ask some really hard questions. And you're gonna ask questions that we all have. And we ask questions like, do I really trust God? Those are the moments where we have to look ourselves in the mirror and ask that question. Do I really trust God? Do I really trust God's timing? Do I really trust that God even cares about my life or that situation or the thing that I'm praying about? Do I really trust that God in his infinite wisdom knows what's best for me? That he knows things that I don't know. That he's actually using those situations to actually develop something inside of me. See, in those moments, is where we have to ask ourselves, do I really trust Bible verses? Like God works all things together for my good. Like do I really believe that his power is made perfect in my weaknesses? Do I really believe in moments like that, that God can do immeasurably more than I can ask or imagine? Because what I'm asking and imagining for isn't even being answered. Do I really believe these words I read in this book, how about this one? Do I really trust that what God is doing is better than what I want? 
do I really trust that God is developing some character in me that I need to receive what I'm praying for right now? Like, do I really trust God when his answer is no or not yet? Do I really trust God when I'm waiting? Do I really trust God in the the in-between? And will I still trust God, love God, worship God, and follow God? Oh, this is an important one. If I don't ever get my way. If this, what I'm praying for, never changes, will I still trust God? Will I still worship God? Will I still give him my life? Will I still follow him? And Jesus says, in these moments where we keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and in these moments where we're not getting the answers, when we're not finding, when the doors aren't opening, that these are the moments where you're going to have to trust God. And church, look me in the eyes. We cannot get around that fact. We cannot get around the fact that if you want to know what Christianity is all about, it is trusting God. You know what salvation is? It's trusting him with your life. It's, it's literally, it's saying, and there's no way around it. I, I, wish, that there, I wish that there was. Because I, I would try to figure that out. But I'm telling you, I love you enough to tell you the truth. There's going to be moments, and he's telling us clear, in, in black and white and red, he's saying, there's going to be times where you're going to knock and the door is going to open. But in those moments is when we have the opportunity to trust God. And every time we're in a situation like that, it's an opportunity to live out this verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your understanding. See, we love that verse on a mug, but we don't like that verse when we're living it. But I'm telling you, these moments where we get to trust in God with all our heart, those are the moments when we don't understand, but we can still trust him. And let me just tell you, here's the words of Jesus. That is so much easier when you understand who God is. He is a loving father. That's when you can understand that. Now, these verses, and I understand this is very cliche of me uh, to be a pastor that says this, but it is true. And so if it's cliche, I don't care because it's truth, okay? I understand, this is so cliche. These verses made so much more sense when I became a dad. It just did. Heather and I uh, have two little boys, uh, Jordan, who's 11, and Caleb, who's eight. And as we started down this road of parenting, we quickly saw, and I think all parents, you see this, you quickly see how destructive and dangerous it would be to give them everything that they ask for whenever they ask for it. In fact, often my no or not yet is not only the right thing to do, it's actually the better thing to do than what they are asking for. But many times they do not understand that. Like they don't understand why they can't have ice cream for every single meal. They just don't, they don't get it. They don't, they don't understand why they have to go to bed while the sun is still up. Thank you, daylight savings time, you're the worst. 
Because we're like, boys, it doesn't matter what the sun, it matters what the clock says. And I'm sorry, that's your bedtime. Well, why do I have to? Every night. You, you, you see the bitterness inside of me sometimes with that? They don't get it. They don't understand. They, they don't understand why they can't be on screens every day. They don't understand why they can't just run around and play in a very busy street with cars driving around everywhere. And, and, and many times when I give them what they need over what they want, their reaction is, is that they get upset, they pout, they cry, they throw temper tantrums, and they even get frustrated with me. I'm like, why are you getting frustrated with me? I'm literally just doing what is best for you. Now, my oldest son, Jordan, he's gluten intolerant. Now, that's different than being celiac. Celiac is when you are allergic to gluten. He is gluten intolerant, which means that his body, it doesn't process gluten, which not only affects his body, but it really affects his brain. It affects his processing, his decision-making, his behavior, and his ability to like self-regulate. And we found this out when he was about three years old. So he's been gluten-free for about eight years. And I'm telling you some of the hardest times to be his dad are associated with this. Or in moments like our first ever team night, which we had, um, I think earlier this month, it was amazing. Oh, it was in March. And um, we had our first ever team night where all our dream team got together. We were at HQ and we walked in and here's what we saw. We saw this big old donut wall with amazing fresh donuts, just little circles of gluten just on there. And he wanted a donut so bad. He came in. I'm not joking. He literally started licking his lips. And I was like, dad, can I have a donut? With his eyes were as big as the donuts. Just, I mean, he come in. I mean, it's like, that was heaven for that little boy. And he said, can I have a donut? Are those gluten-free? And I had to tell him no. And he was heartbroken. Oh, but I want you to get this so deep in your soul. And so was I. I was heartbroken that he couldn't have the desire of his heart right then and there. But I knew what was best for him. And yes, there's no doubt that would have tasted good in the short term, but it would have been so bad for him in the long term. That would have been bad for his health. That would have been bad for his brain and his mind. It would have been really bad for his teachers at school the next day. It would have been bad for his friendships. Because, listen, at the end of the day, as hard as that was, not only for him, but for me, I'm his dad who loves him more than he could possibly understand. The truth is, there are two people on planet earth that I've never chosen to love. I just did. And that's my two boys. I can't explain it. Everybody else in my life, I've chosen. I've chosen you. I I chose her. She chose me after we dated. But those two little boys, as soon as they existed, I loved them. And I wish that they could understand how much I truly love them more than they could possibly understand. And everything that I do now and that I've always done is for their benefit. Even 
when it doesn't feel like it on the other side, even when he can't see it, and even when he doesn't understand it. Now get this, church. If I'm that way as a father, in my brokenness, in all the ways that I fall short, if I'm that way as a father, how much more is our heavenly father like that? Listen, church, listen. If you're in a situation today where you're having to keep on asking and keep on seeking, and keep on knocking, let me just encourage you, don't stop. Don't quit. Don't give up. One, it's an amazing opportunity to stay relationally connected to God, to just keep that line of communication always up. Here's what he says. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. But it's also an amazing opportunity to keep on trusting. Say, God, I trust you. To trust, not just in a God that's super far away, but to trust in your heavenly Father. That's who he is. And your view of God will determine your relationship with him. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.